Welcome to the Razan Worship Songwriting Podcast, Episode 7. I'm Joel Payne from Razan Worship. I'm Sam Hargreaves from EngageWorship.org. And this is a podcast to equip, train and inspire grassroots songwriters serving their local church. In our podcasts, we'll be dissecting classic songs, focusing on technique in the workshop and bringing you interviews with some of the finest worship songwriters around, as well as responding to your tweets, Facebook messages and emails. And this week, we're going to be largely focusing on our 12-song challenge. Sam, it's great to see you again. Have you back in the country? Tell us, uh, what have you been up to this time? Uh, I've been here for a week um, at London School of Theology doing an intensive on youth and worship. So we had 26 students, um, six of which were sort of not full-time students, but just coming in from the outside. Yeah. And um, it's been really good. We've looked at um, really a mix of practical and academic stuff about how to engage young people in worship and also how to get them leading one another and being part of worship teams or, mm. um, you know, doing spiritual practices. Um, so we looked at some case studies like Soul Survivor and Alternative Worship. And we also had some guests. So we had a, mm. a girl called Marcelli come from Hillsongs and lead an evening. And then we had Amy Tolmy come from um, Youthscape in Luton. And she works particularly in schools. So they do exciting things like take kids off on um, silent retreats and getting them doing kind of uh, Christian spiritual exercises. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting. And um, we had fun. And then it, it just ended because it was three days and I thought by the end we're going to be really tired. So the Friday afternoon uh, just kind of became a massive jam, really. <laughs> everyone in the chapel playing music and it was, it's good fun. Was that fun? Have yeah. you ever been on a silent retreat? No. No, I, nor have I. I think, I think I would quite like to. See, that's funny because I, it sounds horrible to me. Really? And you're, yeah, you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert. Yeah. I, well, I rely on other people speaking in order for my brain to work. <laughs> I I'm quite attracted to the idea. I'm not attracted to the idea of like traveling, you know, millions of miles when people go, oh, we had to get a bus and then a plane and then a helicopter and, a, yeah. you know, to get to this remote island. I just think, oh, gosh, just can't be bothered with that. You could just go down to your shed yeah. if you really need some quiet. Exactly. Cool. Well, I've been um, obviously doing quite a lot with the 12-song challenge. I had a lot of people joining in with that, so we'll talk about that some more in a minute. Um, been taking some bookings for the worship songwriting retreats. That's really exciting. Mm. Um, seeing some names there and starting to imagine it. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. I'm just I'm so pleased that this time we've been able to offer it for for a you know drastically. It is frankly it's a bargain because because somebody has generously donated so that we're almost offering it at cost price from our point of view. So that's that's really exciting. Mm. I, want, I want to encourage people to come. Um, and we had an email. Um, I've got to be really honest, Sam. I've lost the email, so I can't remember sure. who it was from. But the gist <laughs> of the question was, somebody wrote asking, basically, how do you find time to write? Right. Because, um, you know, in their busy life, it's difficult. And yes. um, it's, a it's a really important question, isn't it? Have you got any wisdom? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I was a bit challenged by the interview I did with Geraldine Latty because she... Um, mm. she talked about you know how she gives over you know maybe a day or a day and a half a week and obviously for a lot of people they just you know if they're working full-time family other commitments you just don't have that time but I think if at all possible carving out what I would call work time 
Yeah. Uh, so this is what I've done recently is I, I stopped doing something that I was doing and said, I'm going to give some afternoons a week to, to music and songwriting. Mm. Uh, now, obviously a lot of people aren't in that position. Um, but I would then encourage them even to find sh- sort of short, but fairly regular slots in their weekly schedule. And ideally not slots where you're really tired. So it can be, you know, you start to do songwriting at eight thirty at night, yeah. and actually, it's you know, and you we've maybe got this kind of romantic ideal of the, you know, songwriter in the middle of the night having an inspiration strike. But I think for most people, actually, you need to be fresh. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's Saturday morning, you know, have a cup of coffee, and then nine thirty, commit yourself to an hour of songwriting. And that might not sound very long. But if you commit yourself to that every week, yeah, it becomes a regular a regular thing, and um, and I think within that as well, don't get stressed that you have to produce something, yeah, within an hour. It's can... discipline, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I was thinking about your, you know, we have family commitments and things. It's difficult sometimes to withdraw, but maybe mm. if you, if your family knows, okay mum or dad or whoever is going to disappear for an hour yeah and then they're going to come back yeah so every you know the in a sense you 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 put that limit on so it's helpful for them as well as helpful for you yes that means you can kind of fit it into your schedule a bit better yeah the other thing for me has been on holidays actually which i know is almost counter to what i just said about it being work time but i found my brain is clear enough when i've been away for a few days suddenly ideas start bubbling up yeah um i, I think what is key then as well is don't disappear for the rest of the holiday and just be a songwriter and ignore everyone you yeah. know, and have a recording device or something that can, you can get ideas down mm. so that, cause I think there's, there's often two parts of songwriting. There's getting the idea and then there's working on the idea. And so maybe you can, you know, split those two things up a little bit. That's great advice. Thank you, Sam. Um, and it leads us nicely actually into uh, talking about our 12 song challenge. The 12 Song Challenge is something that's designed in some ways to help people who are looking for space and time and discipline in writing, isn't it? Yeah. It's by setting a task, we're trying to develop some of that, what Twyla Tharp calls the creative habit. Mm. And um, and by having a task that's ongoing, say, for a month or so, where it's really just about getting through it, mm. you that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is that then it leads to more creativity and so on. And that's that's what we've been trying to do. So we've done the first month of our challenge. It's been incredibly exciting. I've been mm-hmm. overwhelmed. I thought we might get a dozen people joining in. Yeah. We're nearly at 100 now brilliant. from, I think, four different continents. Uh, actually, no, I checked that last time. I said four, and it turned out it was only three, but it might be four now. <laughs> um, and uh, we've set up a web forum for all the people who've said they want to join in. Um, so if you're doing this somewhere and you haven't let us know, do do get in touch, do email us, podcast.resanworship.org, and um, we'll get you in that forum as well. So people are sharing their songs and and starting to contribute and comment on one another's and, and, and help each other with their writing. It's been fascinating. We set five Bible passages. Some have been considerably more popular than others mainly people have mainly written from romans and um jeremiah actually mm. um and yeah and maybe it's more from revelation fewer from hebrews and fewer from john and i guess part of the reason for that is those are their teaching passages whereas the others 
basically already have a sort of form of poetry or song, yeah. don't they? Uh, we've had some feedback from people. We asked people how they're getting on, so we just thought we'd um, we'd read some of these out for you. Yeah, so a guy called John has written, I was a bit intimidated first by this challenge because of the parameters of using scripture exactly or as closely as possible. I'd written other music where I wrote both the lyrics and the music and the chord structure to express a thought or a theme that I had. This was different in that I was collaborating, or so to speak, with John, the writer of Revelations. At first I stressed a bit about not being able to make the verses rhyme, but I think the scripture married to the melody carries the song along and you don't really miss the rhyme. It actually ended up to be somewhat easier than other songs I've written because I didn't have to fit uh, work on crafting the lyrics, I only had to fit them to a melody and chords uh, that made the song singable. It's an interesting concept to think about co-writing a song with someone who knew Jesus personally when he walked the earth. Mm. I think I'll be open to trying this type of songwriting again with other scripture perhaps the Psalms or other Old Testament passages, as well as the New Testament. Brilliant, isn't it? This yeah. idea that John has, has come up with of a collaborate, basically writing a scripture song is collaboration. John and John. John and John have collaborated on this one. Yeah. I just, that's a brilliant idea. And it's, that, that encourages me in the idea of writing scripture, collaborating with the writers of the Bible, yeah, whether they like it or not. <laughs> yeah. um, Alison said, it's amazing to see so many songs with the same scripture. And I think that can only be pleasing to God to see his word put in the forefront of our worship and declared loud and strong. I don't know about the rest of you, but I test my words and tune as I'm driving. Yeah. No one else with me in the car. And so I've been singing God's word continually over the last few weeks. Mm. I like that. Yeah, I do that as well, singing them in the car. Um, Kelly says, I find it really helpful to have three versions of the same passage to understand it more and then use the current words, uh, use current words for the lyrics. I suppose she means paraphrasing it in her own words. Mm. Also, sticking to scripture lyrics has meant I wasn't so overcome by writer's block or feeling too vulnerable in the words I used. That's really encouraging to me because mm. that's one of the things we wanted to try and achieve. Several people who've responded have, have said, it was just easier to write having something to work with rather than starting with a blank page. They could just start. Mm. Sometimes starting is the hardest bit, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Ian says, it's forced me to meditate on scripture, which in turn has helped me memorise it too. Double win. Like others, some passages don't lend easily themselves to the rhymes and rhythm we often hear in pop songs. But I found that starting with the words, which all suggest a rhythm, means I approach writingly differently. I, I approach writing differently to when I start with a chord progression. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I think it's it's worked really well. I think it's pushed people to write differently yeah. to how they would have normally. Um, and I think all these these responses reflect just what a useful exercise it's been. We're going to have a look at a couple of songs that people who are participating in the challenge have done. So we're going to start. Sam, you've picked one out, haven't you, that you thought was quite uh, worth listening to. Yes, we've got Andy Clark has written a song called Stand at the Crossroads. Uh, brackets, find rescue for your souls, brackets, mine. I don't know why he's put brackets, mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unusual to write a worship song in a minor key. We have to flag it up in case anyone will be offended. Brilliant. Why don't we have a listen to it? Stand at the crossroads and love As for ancient paths Ask where the good way is And walk in it 
Find rest for your souls Find rest for your souls But you said we will not walk in it So I really, I think that's a, a beautiful melody, uh, really nicely put together. I think he's been faithful to the text. Mm. Um, he's hit an, on a nice kind of mood, reflective mood. Um, I really like it. I think it's got huge potential. Um, and I guess the one thing that I would suggest, he said um, that in the end, it became sort of not a congregational song, but more of a, a ministry song where God is encouraging us. Yeah. You're sort of singing it out over people. And I'm, I'm just not sure that he needs to go that way. And I think the only, the main thing about that is the way that he ends each time with, you know, you got this rest for your soul, rest for Yeah. But you said we will not walk. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Suddenly slam on the brakes. We thought, yeah. no, we'd rather no. not. Um, which I know is being faithful to the passage and that yeah. he's, he's very laudable in, in, in following that. But I think, you know, maybe now outside of the challenge, outside of yeah. setting himself within those parameters... He could adapt this without too much um, fiddling, really, but to be a song which is really an invitation from God yeah. to come and to find rest for our souls in Him. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I particularly think that last little little phrase, "We will not walk in yeah. it." If you could transform that into something that was more in keeping with an invitation, uh, I think you know you could have such a useful um, worship song. Yeah, I wondered if uh, if you need something just to close off that chorus, maybe just something about a sort of an, just an in Christ or in God or, or something, because mm. somehow the song, but by the it's half you know we set the parameters, but somehow it just sort of needs a little qualification of what is this, what are we being drawn into it? What are these ancient yes. paths? What is the good way? And actually, in a sense, it's this, this whole path which is always pointed to Christ and always comes from Christ, isn't it? Maybe if you can just add that little thought in there yeah. and the the sort of the negative thing rather than end every time with it, it that could be a slight kind of exploration the tension could be in a bridge or something or that kind yeah. of tension of you know you're offered this but you don't take it but come on come yeah. on come on I'm really you know the come come I'm really calling you yeah it's worth thinking about who who is speaking here um and it's one of the challenges I had with the, the passage I had was it was Jesus yeah. speaking and um and I think similarly and he might want to decide, is this kind of the voice of God? Is this the voice of us? We stand at the, at the yeah, crossroads yeah. and look, you know, we need the ancient paths. We will find rest for ourselves. Or is it um, yeah. the voice of a soloist encouraging, you will find rest in God. Yeah. Um, you, you could try a few different ways yeah. of approaching it there, but it would be worth nailing down. But it's worth pushing through with, isn't it? I think. I think definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. Well, I uh, picked one out. Interesting. I picked one out on the same um, passage. Uh-huh. So that obviously it was quite, um, you know, it's quite inspirational. A few people did this one, and this one is by Rebecca Benford. Um, and one of the things I just like about this at the outset is that Rebecca has just found a um, found a loop on a um, on her iPad or something like that, I think, and um, has just come up with the melody over the top of it. But and has really worked on the words as well. So let's just. Um, Let's have a listen to that.
smooth operator. It's so smooth operator, <laughs> but it's isn't it? great. And I love it's such a great idea actually to take a loop which is outside of what you would normally play. Yeah. You know, we sit down with a guitar and we start doing the same old chords, the same yeah, old melody. Yeah. So actually a loop, which as she says in the um in her little post about it, you know, you might not end up using exactly that. Yeah. But it forces you to write in a in a different style. And it's yeah. so it's beautiful, sort of soulful feel she's got to her. It does, melody. and she's got this nice minor melody to it as well. I, I thought um I really like the way she's packaged the words. So she's taken these these verses and she's just slightly replaced one or two words in it. Stand and look at the place where the roads meet. So instead of the crossroads, mm, where the yeah. roads meet. And that's really nice. Somehow it's nicer than the crossroads. Yeah. It, it turns into a place, doesn't it? Yeah. A place where the roads meet. Yeah. Ask to see the paths of old instead of the ancient paths. Mm. And then she's able to rhyme it with, and you'll find rest for your soul. So yeah. simple. Yeah. Um, and then the, the third line, choose the good way, the true way, the Lord's way. Mm. It's really good writing now. Yeah. I really like those lyrics. And then I just thought, Rebecca, um, you've got to stand and look at the place where the roads meet. So we've got that melody. I think if you delayed each of your start of your lines, it would fit the style a bit more. So it would be stand and look at, and you have um, ask to see the parts mm. of old. Then it would just, it, I feel it hold together a little bit more as a melody, but it, it works as it is. So great job, Rebecca. And I, I just, I particularly like that, the way you package those lyrics. Mm, good work. Brilliant. So we're going to, um, we're going to unveil what we've <laughs> written with great trepidation. <laughs> Having seen what um, people are putting on our forum, we're yeah. aware of the uh, possibly substandard quality of our <laughs> contributions. Uh, but we've had a go as well. So, Sam, uh, You've written a, a kind of a four-part song, haven't you? So I think we basically we we need to play. A, we would do this live, but then it gets very complicated when there aren't enough people in the room. Um, interestingly, I've also written a four-part <laughs> song. I don't know why we both did this, but let's play a bit of yours, and then we can talk about it. Spirit of Christ lives in us. 
Thanks, Sam. Tell us a little bit about the you know, the process there, writing that. Uh, yeah, well, I I did a few versions. Um, I was trying trying to stick to the lyrics uh, to the to the passage, although I had to edit edit it down. Yeah. Um, I, I just had some lines that I thought were really distinctive and hooky, but the ver- the first version I ended up with was very much a kind of performance singer songwritery kind of song. Mm. So, yeah, so I never heard that one. I'm intrigued, but yeah, I'll play it to you later. Yeah. But it, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. And then I thought, well, actually, the heart of this is that some of these, you know, three or four really key lines that I, I'm really keen on, and I don't really want to do damage to them by making them all fit into one scan. Yeah. So what about if I just give each one a distinctive melody and did a sort of Geraldine Latty round sort of style? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And then I hit on that chord progression, which I found quite interesting because it uses, it's basically an A, but it starts on an F sharp major rather than an F sharp minor. And that was the bit that, ah, oh, hang on, this has got, there's something to this. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I know. And, and a few people have, you know, said on the forum, they could imagine a, a small sort of community choir doing it as a performance piece. I yeah. don't really see it as a congregational worship song. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we set the challenge to try and write a, congregational worship song yeah and i felt when i listened to it like you'd got three or four quite nice little hooks like the, for a little while longer yeah do 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 i can't go down there at all um and those could have been you could have kind of taken one or two of those and made them hooks around which you built the, the rest of a song yeah um and i i wonder this for myself as well we'll see this in a minute whether we both sort of copped out a little bit in in not kind of pushing it through into being something more obviously song shaped. But having said that, I think probably with the exception of the bass line, mm. you the other three parts are probably quite teachable to a, to a congregation. You possibly could actually just do it, and it'd be worth it's, it'd be worth giving it a go, wouldn't it? To see it's a med, it's a kind of scripture meditation, isn't it? Yes, and or it's not unlike um, the idea of an anthem in a more yeah. traditional church where it's it's being performed and it's based on a scripture. Um, and, you know, no, there's nothing in the Bible that says we're only allowed to sing congregational songs. You know, there are, I think there's a place for, for performance or choir songs or, or pieces. Um, I think the other thing with this is that I was trying not to place too many restrictions on myself yeah. and thinking I'd rather finish something and it not be... Uh, exactly congregational or it, but just to kind of follow through on the idea that I'd had and I think people ought to be aware of that when they're writing for this challenge is you know have a go at something and get it done uh, without necessarily immediately constricting yourself because this is just a challenge this is just an exercise yeah and then later on you could then take that idea and, and develop it or make it more congregational or yeah yeah great and you had a bit of feedback on the forum, didn't you? Oh, I did, yes. So, um, yeah, a really helpful guy called Matt um, wrote a few points. Um, That's not our Matt. No, different Matt. Um, uh, but he was really helpful, uh, picked up on quite a few things about the lyrics, really, how the lyrics sat. One um, was he was talking about how um, you did not leave us as orphans. He was saying in na- natural speech, people would say, you didn't leave us as orphans. It's kind of colloquial yeah. speech. And I, I, I agree with him. I think the reason why I wouldn't change it to that is because didn't 
means you're not really singing a vowel anymore. Unt has yeah. intentionally taken the vowel out. So you'd be singing, you didn't leave us as yeah. orphans, which I think would be a bit awkward. Um, but it's, it's a good thought. And then the other one is he talks about how, did I really want to emphasize spirit, the word spirit? Yeah. Uh, and he's totally right that what you sing high and long and on a strong beat, that's the bit that's going to get emphasized. Um, but I sort of rethought about it and thought, no, actually, to me, what Jesus is doing in this passage is saying, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So actually, to to emphasize the word spirit is is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but he's right that if if I hadn't wanted that, if I'd have wanted to emphasize truth or Jesus, then those are the ones that should have been on the on that long note. And that's a good example of what you do in critique sometimes isn't mm. it that you're not necessarily saying this is wrong but you just test it you push at it a little bit for the songwriter yeah. to say is yeah. it you know was that really what you were getting at uh, um have i understood it right etc and that's good then for you to think oh yeah um yeah that, that is what i wanted or no you're right you've you've not quite picked it up right and i'll adapt yeah. that well, I did a very sort of similar thing to you. <laughs> I couldn't work out a way to fit it together. Um, so I played it. Um, I played it to Matt on the last um, podcast, and then um, since then I've made. There were four parts, and there again, they were supposed to be layered. And I did imagine this quite congregationally. I imagined kind of you sing each part once, and then you get different people in the congregation singing different bits. Um, and let's just let's hear a little clip of that. Oh, the something of the lion sleeps tonight in there oh there is actually it's a bit of a wimble way isn't oh, there? <laughs> you could basically do that along with it but um no i love it I, I think when i listened to the podcast and you and matt talking about it i thought mm, yeah it's okay. it's okay and it was only when i heard the recording that put all the four parts together i thought oh this suddenly comes to life yeah and that often happens with this kind of round i think is that you end up compromising slightly on the individual lines yeah but in order to make it fit really well together when it comes together so as soon as it comes together it's just great fun and i can honestly imagine a congregation doing it and just having a lot of fun yeah if each of the parts was led confidently with a mic yeah and then you split the 
split the congregation. It's just, it's huge fun. Um, so yeah, I like it. Yeah, I felt, I mean, those who are listening carefully will notice I haven't really changed it since when I um, played it to Matt. And it's not actually because I didn't value his comments. <laughs> I just, I sort of felt like, I don't know if there's much much further I can take this. And and part of the the reason was that I really realised this in the last few days. I felt I could slightly approach the whole challenge in the wrong way. Because you get to this doxology at the end of Romans 11, and it's just, it's the culmination of 11 chapters of God this, Christ this, mm. Jesus this, life, you know, the universe, life, everything. And it sort of explodes. Oh, the riches and, mm. the, and so on. And I never really, well, I just didn't at all. I didn't go into the earlier stuff. And I felt like I began to think I should have done because mm. then I think those words would have come alive. As it was, I found them sort of semi-inspirational, mm. but not really the things I necessarily wanted to say. And so I struggled then to put it into something that felt real. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think I read a thing um, in a book recently where it was talking about sort of critique of modern worship songs. And it was saying we often take the little the little nuggets of sort of praise, really, and turn mm. them into songs. But there's a danger that we're missing out yeah. the other bits of the Psalms or the other bits of the of the New Testament that aren't, that aren't those nuggets of praise, but are actually saying something really important about God. So there's, there's a good challenge, I think, to to look at the context around it and to try and maybe set some of the bits or to to be inspired by the bits that aren't just immediately, obviously, you know, worship praise. Mm. Well, we should now move on. So we're going to put those songs to bed, or who knows, we'll do something with them. But that's kind of challenge done. Yeah. Okay. Tick. Big. Let's make a big tick sound. Um, and we're going to move on to the February challenge. This next challenge is something that's come, quite a lot of it's come out of our interview with Ruth, um, Ruth King Goddard in the, um, in the last episode. And I found myself particularly challenged by this idea of a, a personal participatory singing voice, which was the, the voice she, the, the idea she talked about. And just about how do we get the congregation all singing? How do we get everyone mm. singing? And, and actually, we thought, well, let's try and set a, uh, try and set a challenge that comes out of that, um, that actually technically tries to achieve that, but actually in terms of its subject matter, is kind of about that in some yeah. ways as well. So do yeah. you, we thought we'd just split this up. Sam's going to set the, the sort of the inspirational theme part of it, and then I'm going to set one or two of the technical parameters for it. Yeah, so I think thematically, um, it's fair to say that a lot of contemporary worship is rather individualist. So mm. there's a lot of I, um, there's a lot of about me and God, and I'm feeling you, God, and I'm going to do this, God. And, and the truth is that corporate worship is supposed to be us worshipping God together. Mm. And Paul is very keen, and the, the New Testament writers are very keen to come. When you come together, encourage one another, build one another up. That's often the critique of of New Testament worship is that maybe they weren't always doing that, but that's the encouragement to, to be church together and to encourage one another. Um, but in all honesty, I know from growing up uh, in churches that often when writers try and write a congregational encouraging community song, it ends up very cheesy. Yeah. Um, so uh, the one that I remember growing up was a song called Bind Us Together, Lord. Yeah, they all, everyone knows that, don't they? Yeah. Maybe they I, don't actually from well, a certain generation. Yeah, but some generations probably haven't, but... Um, yeah, that, you know, and it's just this kind of 
other other songs as well that end up sounding a bit kind of heal the world or a bit kind of cheesy Michael Jackson song. Everyone's got their <laughs> arms around one another and they're swaying and, oh, isn't it so good to There's be kind of wind machines going. Yeah, everyone's exactly. Hair is, yeah. Holding one my, um, uh, headphone over your ear. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I so I, I think um, it's really important that we sing uh, about who we are as God's church. Yeah. Um, but it's also a challenge to not make it cheesy. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that, I think, is about honesty as well. So maybe have a song where we say, you know, part of it says it's not always easy to be community. It's not, we don't always get on. Yeah. Um, we don't, we're not, you know, being church doesn't mean that we're all the same and we all agree and we're all, um, we never argue. It's, it's church is like family, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You love one another and you have this bond in Christ, but you know, you're going to be different types of people. And, and in fact, that's, that's what a lot of the the New Testament metaphors do, isn't it? So if you think about the, the the body with its many parts yeah. and we're all different and we treat the different parts differently and yet we're united in the head. Uh, that's what, what Paul is trying to get at. So it might be in the writing this song that you you go for one of those images. You maybe look at the the the, the body or the, the vine and the branches or the idea that we're all being built into God's temple or we're becoming a people of God. Or you might take one of those ideas and update it. So you know, find a new image, find a new metaphor, or a few new metaphors that express something of our sort of oneness and manyness. Mm. Um, that could be a way of approaching it. Another idea could be to, if you use like Bible Gateway or some search thing, and search the phrase uh, one another, because it seems that in the New Testament, they're often saying, you know, build one another up, love yeah. one another, prefer one another. I've done this before, and you get pages and pages of stuff. Uh, so that could be another way in. Um, or I think my last um, idea is it could be kind of exhortative. Yeah. So uh, in uh, Colossians, it says sing to one another in some yeah. spiritual songs. And so actually, as much as we are, of course, you know, always um, praising God and focusing on God in worship. Also, there's a sort of horizontal dynamic of we're also singing to one another. We're exhorting one another. Yeah. So maybe your song could have. A sense of that. Um, I was thinking of the song "Men of Faith Rise Up and Sing." Yeah. It's like an exhortation to one another. Come on, yeah. let's you know, let's do this. This is what God's calling us to, and you're kind of encouraging. So that might be another approach. It's notable how we sort of in contemporary corporate worship and sort of mainstream thing, how we sort of ignore that sing to one another yeah. thing, don't we? We kind of say, oh yeah, that's what Paul says. But what we do is we, we focus on psalms and hymns and spiritual songs or something. But he says it mm. and we really ought to do it. Yeah. And most of the time we simply don't. Yeah. And then, there, you know, there's, that's not so, you know, your church might might not be like that, but in sort of the kind of mainstream model is not to do that. So, there's a challenge. I was thinking as well, in taking the theme of community, the church community, you could write it in the form of a prayer. Mm. You could write it in the form of a, a kind of the celebration of the fact. You could write it, like you say, as an exhortation or an encouragement. So there are different sort of angles y- mm. you could take in order to essentially cover the same kind of material. So we'd love to have a song about that. Um, but what we also want to do is... Um, we want everyone to sing it, not just because the theme sort of includes them, but actually because it's singable. Mm. Um, and one of the things that Ruth said in her interview was that 
um, this idea of your kind of your personal singing voice is the one that you use when you when you wander around the house, when you're in the shower, when you're doing the washing up, whatever it might be. Yeah. And that by and large, the voice people use then is one which is pitched within their speaking range. They don't you don't walk around the house singing in your performance voice. Mm. So everyone's got a personal voice, but only really some people have got a particularly good performance voice. And yet a lot of our again our model of worship is built around the performance voice. And that's great if you've got one. Mm. And often it's a bit higher up in your range if you're a man. Um, if you're you know, the, 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 ten, the pop tenor, almost counter tenor in terms of the kind of pitch that people sing at. Yeah. Um, it sounds brilliant, but it's it's not personal. It's And Ruth's challenge was actually that the voice that's most authentically you is your personal voice mm. and i found that such a challenge because i do try to um set parameters on vocal range and i've tended to talk about sort of try and get it between the two c's yeah and then you can you can slip out to b flat and d on the other ends sometimes um but we've decided that for this challenge we're going to stick with what ruth said and the challenge is to write your song between a c and a b flat now if you're not really um familiar with notes and what they are, mm. then that's going to be part of your challenge yeah. this time. And yeah. you know, you'll know someone who can read music or who's a bit more familiar, and you could, you know, you could work on something and, and sing it to them and get them to tell you. Um, and it's going to be a challenge because yeah. we're going to want a we're going to want to head off into our performance voice yeah. if that's the kind of voice we have. Um, and it's going to restrict some of the melodies we might want to do. So I think we'll find ourselves sort of writing something and then moving it around in keys to try yeah. and find a way to yeah. accommodate everything. Um, I, I was thinking of um, a, a, sort of a song that we covered really early on in our podcast, Here I Am to Worship, is yeah. one that sits within a really narrow vocal range. Mm. And certainly that's a song that when you sing it in church, you look up and everyone's joining in. Yeah. And, the, the people who weren't joining on all the others, they join in that one. Mm. So if we could write some songs that fit within that personal participatory singing voice, yeah. wouldn't that be exciting? Yeah, that's a good challenge, I think. And related to that, we also want you to think about, um, Joel's talked about a, a, a performance range. I also want you to think about a performance um, melody or versus a participative melody. I think a performance melody really is there again to sort of show off the voice of one solo performer. So they might put in a lot of syncopation, um, which is when the notes, you know, almost never fall strongly on the strong beats. They're kind of jumping around and being more sort of speech-like. Um, another thing that a performance song will often do is have quite an uneven scan, by which I mean that the syllables aren't the same number of syllables and they don't fall exactly on the same... Um, parts of the melody so I would think about uh, having quite a regular scan having quite um, not cutting out syncopation but um, if using syncopation make it natural make it how people expect it to to come out Um, some of the stuff that Matt was talking about a couple of podcasts ago about repetition and variation Mm. so have uh, lines which are very clearly repeated and people feel very secure in it. I know I've sung this once, I'm singing it again. And then have some variation that brings contrast, but is not sort of a million miles away from what you've already done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also think about the leaps you use, whether um, the the jumps in notes, whether they are natural mm-hmm. and whether they are, 
a kind of natural thing that a group would sing. And uh, one of the things you might want to be inspired by is songs that people naturally sing in groups. Mm. So you might want to take something like Happy Birthday or one of the football chants that gets sung on the terraces. Mm. Or, you know, sometimes a song will will come out of, you know, maybe it's a hymn or maybe it's a pop song and somehow it's singable enough that the guys who, you know, sing on the football terraces in sort of and, yeah. get it, don't you? <laughs> I, I'm saying this. I know nothing about sport, but apparently I, I get, this happens. I, I go to the football and I remember... This is a number of years ago. I suspect it still happens. Um, people used to turn up um, on in the it was um, Carrow Road, Norwich City. Mm. They'd turn up in the um, in the Barclay Stand, which is the kind of where the diehard supporters were, and they'd turn up with a load of sheets of paper where they'd written a new song. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was awful. They were terrible, but yeah. they were written to fit to a kind of a familiar tune. And often, again, a tune that had a really kind of was in a certain range. But the funny thing that um, football crowds always do is the the chances are always started by men and they always want to shout them as loud as they can. So they always start really high and then they go higher and then gradually the melody just flattens out to a single note because no one can actually keep going. So don't follow that example. Excellent. Well, you know, so um, maybe ever think about the songs that people sing in groups rather than the songs that get sung by a soloist. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking just of a couple of, of song examples that I think, you know, Joel mentioned Here I Am to Worship I think My Jesus, My Saviour is an example of a song that if you start that up in a congregation very quickly, everyone will just pile in. Um, so there's something about that melody. There's repetition in there. There's sequence, the My Jesus, My Saviour. That's a, the same kind of shape of notes, but it's, it's just been moved around. And then we were talking about how the chorus really focuses, if you play it in B flat, really focus on that home note of B-flat. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us... And then down a bit, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise. Now, it does go up, but it's going up from that really secure B-flat, and it feels very natural to do that. Um, or a similar song would be How Great Is Our God. So again, if you were singing that in B-flat, how great, you're really homing on that B-flat. Yeah, uh, that's the power high. note, isn't it? The B flat, and that everyone B flat. Can do so it. it's, it's it's so secure for people, yeah. and I think that's why that's such a big chorus and a it's a singer song. And I mean, one of the one of the things I would challenge you to do is, does my melody work without accompaniment? Yeah, and if it is totally reliant on the band and the rhythm and the guitar, um, then it, I, I'm not sure that it's what I would call a real singy song, a real yeah. group song. And that's the challenge for this month, isn't it? So yeah. you might another time write a song which is all about having the jazz riff going on and yeah. so on. But this time the challenge is, you know, I'm thinking of my my church small group. Mm. We meet in our um, meet in my kitchen and we sing together. And there are certain songs that really work in that context. Yeah. They're not necessarily the same ones that we sing in our church services when there are hundreds of us yeah. together. So that's our challenge to you for February. We hope you'll join in and uh, we hope you found some of the discussion that we've done this time helpful. We've sort of blended together the workshop and the 12 song challenge this time. Um, If you are taking part, please do let us know. We'd love love for you to get involved in the forum, but we'd also just like to know, even if you're just doing it privately on your own, it's it's helpful to us and we can send you um, emails and, and so on, keeping you up to date with what's happening. 
Um, for our next podcast, we've got um, an interview with Stuart Townend. So I've interviewed Stuart and we're really looking forward to bringing that to you. It's fascinating to hear some of his story of his development as a songwriter, a bit of insight into one of his, uh, one or two of his more well-known songs and some of how he sees the kind of um, worship songwriting scene at the moment and the things that we need to be trying to do together. So we'll look forward to that. Um, and in the next episode, we'll also we'll do a little critique. We'll look at one of his um, songs as well before we um, before we talk to him. As always, do um, get in touch with us on um, email podcast at resoundworship.org, Twitter at resoundworship or facebook.com slash resoundworship.org. And we love to hear from you. And we're going to finish by playing out a new song um, from a new writer. Um, for us, Mark Bradford. Mark is actually a member of the clergy. It's kind of cool, isn't it, when, a, mm. when, when you've got vicars writing songs? Because um, they ought to be able to write some pretty good songs, you'd think, wouldn't you? Theologically trained. Theologically trained, all about leading the people in worship and yeah. pastoring them and so on. So Mark's written a song, and it's uh, a song for communion. Um, I think it's a really lovely, um, very immediate song that Mark's written. He's managed to combine um, quite an immediate sort of melody with some pretty rich exploration of the themes um, around communion so I think if you write a communion song it could actually be useful to every church in the world so we want to commend this one to you we're really pleased to welcome Mark to our stable of writers Mm. Um, and this is Here is Bread Here is bread that speaks of love Your body broken for a guilty world For a guilty world Come to feed on you, men are from heaven, giving strength anew, giving strength anew. Lord, by your cross and resurrection, you have freed us, and now we know that you're the Savior of. You see, you hear with us and burn within our hearts, risen Lord, risen Lord. Here is wine that tells of grace, your blood outpoured to cover Shame
world might be restored. The world might be restored. Offering now the lives we live, freely you gave and freely we will give. Freely we will give.